Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. You would please open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, we are in chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. We're going to be reading all the way through chapter 4. But this is all one piece. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 12. This is God's Word. Now, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity, like men sent from God. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses who had put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. 
And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I've spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence." All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Many of our listeners already give financially to support the children at Wares Valley Ranch, and I want to say thank you. I'm so grateful. Now, if you've never supported us, or if you'd like to do so on a consistent basis, I want to ask that you consider becoming a monthly donor. With a gift of as little as $5 per month, you'll become what we call a ranch hand. Ranch hands receive special communications from us with opportunities to serve at the ranch as volunteers. If you can't come to the ranch, we ask you to become an advocate and a prayer warrior for these events where you are. In addition, You'll receive a t-shirt that we encourage you to wear as you volunteer at the ranch or wherever you are to provide opportunities for sharing about how God has provided a safe haven to children all across our country through Wares Valley Ranch. To join Ranch Hands, go to wvr.org 
and click on Donate. Once you select the amount you want to give each month, click in the box that says Show My Support by Making This a Recurring Donation. In addition to providing consistent funding for the basic needs of these children, your participation could position you to connect a child in crisis to the ranch. What an opportunity to make an eternal difference in the life of a child. Thanks again. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is And he's holding out his hand Paul is writing, as we said before, to a group of people that he loves. But it is a troubled church. It is a church that has had all kinds of problems. They live in a hideously wicked environment. Corinth was famous in the Roman Empire for being a place of sexual immorality. Now, the Roman Empire was filled with all kinds of sexual immorality. I mean, Rome was a bad place. All these different cities in the empire were bad, and they all had demonic influences and sin of various kinds. But Corinth was so bad that it was famous among the Roman Empire as being really bad. That's the environment where these people lived. And the Apostle Paul had been very, very clear God speaking through him, that you have to come out of that. You can still live in the place geographically, but you can't live like the culture around you. You can't do what other people have been doing that is just flat out wrong. And so it was essential that the Corinthians leave their old way of life behind. And yet, old habits die hard. And so we saw in 1 Corinthians that Paul had to address scandalous behavior. And along with that, there were divisions in the church where different people tried to make themselves feel more spiritual than other people because they were part of this group who followed that teacher or this group that followed that teacher. And Paul has worked repeatedly through visits and letters in order to try and straighten out those problems and address what's going on. We said last time that this letter is one of four letters to the Corinthians. We have two of them in the Bible. This is the last of the four letters that we know that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And yet, in this, he's still having to try and rebuild and reconnect and establish again the legitimacy of his ministry because some people were attacking him and suggesting that he was not really one of the great apostles. And by that, they weren't referring to the original apostles that Jesus had commissioned and sent forth. They were referring to other people who had come along claiming apostleship and who claimed all sorts of visions and experiences and were not true to the truth. They were claiming as true things that were made up. And Paul is establishing a contrast between himself and those false apostles. So in this portion that we read today, Paul is writing about what a treasure we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
This is truly glorious. And the contrast he develops here is not so much with explicitly with the false apostles, it's with the folks who would try and impose the law. Remember the Galatians ran into some folks who were saying that if you really want to be a Christian, you've got to go back and fulfill the Mosaic law, at least in the area of circumcision. And the Galatians were thinking, wow, if that's what we need to do, we'll do what it takes. And Paul wrote to them and he warned them in the letter to the Galatians, don't do it. If you're trying to earn God's love, you're not receiving God's love. That does not mean that God approves of everybody's behavior. God loves us right where we are, but he doesn't let us stay right where we are. He doesn't let us keep doing the same stuff that he forbids. If you trust in the Lord, he will change you from the inside out. And I know that not just on the basis of personal experience, I know that on the basis of God's promise. God always does what he says. So Paul, in this section, contrasts the glorious ministry of the gospel which God has given him to the introduction of the law, God's revelation of the law, which came through Moses. When Moses went up the mountain, met with the Lord, received the law of God, he came down from the mountain unaware that his face was shining. His face was shining with light. And people were like this. And Moses put on a veil in order to make it so that the people would not see as the light faded away. But you know what? It wasn't just the shining light of Moses' face that would fade. It was the law. Why? Because the law isn't good? Some of you have been memorizing Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is one of the wonderful passages that celebrates the beauty of God's law. That the things God tells us are for our own good, but there's a downside to the law. What it does is it makes us aware of how far we fall short of the glory of God. When you find out what God says, it's like, oh no, I have really messed up. And when we realize that we are bent and we try to, I'm going to try to fix it. We can't fix it. We're broken. We're spiritually dead in trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, sent his son to pay the penalty for our sin. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Perfectly, eternally forgiven. And robed in his righteousness. And God gives that. It's a gift that he gives to all those who put their trust in him as their Savior and Lord. So, Paul says, what we have is glorious. It is wonderful. But the God of this age, the prince of the power of the air, Satan, has blinded the eyes of the lost so that when the gospel is presented, they can't see it. 
Doesn't make any sense to them. That's crazy. You've turned into one of those Jesus freaks. What's wrong with you? You think you're holier than thou. The only way that somebody recognizes their need and recognizes Jesus as the solution is when God, by his Spirit, moves and draws them to himself. And that's why God is the one who deserves all the praise when we get saved. It's amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. God's the one who gives sight to the blind. And Paul says, this glorious gospel that we have is so much richer and more beautiful than the old covenant, than the law. The law showed us we had a problem. Jesus is the solution to the problem. And so Paul says, I am traveling from place to place. Things don't always go as planned. He says, you know, I I got to Troas, and and even though God had opened a door for me there, I I just, I couldn't stay because I was not at peace because Titus wasn't there. So I moved on from there. He says, but you know, even in the midst of that, God is spreading the gospel everywhere I go. Because wherever I am, I'm given the same message. And the message is not about me, Paul says. The message is about Jesus. That's what it's all about. You're not trying to tell your relatives that you're better than they are. You're trying to tell your relatives that Jesus is the Lord. That he is the one who saves. Pointing people to him. That's what it's about. So Paul says, we have this treasure. It's a wonderful treasure but we have it in jars of clay. What's he talking about? He's talking about our bodies. Paul describes in one of his letters how the reason he ended up in that place was because he was having trouble with his eyes and his health was so bad and his eyes were so bad. He says, you loved me enough that if you could have, you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me. He had a physical problem, and yet God used it to put him in a place where he got to plant a church. They were moved by the Spirit of God to believe the gospel. Well, in Corinth, Paul's describing, he's going to describe later in great detail some of the suffering that he's been through, and he says, but you know, it's actually being used by God in order to reveal that the glory of the gospel is not about us, it's about him. In the midst of our weakness, God demonstrates his power. And so, Paul says, you show, you believers, that you're a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Chapter 4, verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And he begins to describe what it's like to really walk closely with the Lord as he does. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed. Now, how can he be perplexed if he's such a man of God and filled with the Spirit? Because 
circumstances sometimes are perplexing, and we're like, God, why did you do that? Why did that happen? He says, we're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Years ago, two books besides Scripture were basic to the education of English-speaking people. In addition to the Bible, children grew up with Pilgrim's Progress. Second book was Fox's Book of Martyrs. True stories of brothers and sisters in Christ who were killed for their faith. I'm grateful that one of my ancestors is in that book. But when you read the stories of these people and how no matter what was threatened, they would not back down, they would not give up the faith, they would not deny their Lord, it stirs you to say, I've got to stand strong. I've got to do what's right. I can't let the world around me squeeze me into its mold as Paul warns us in Romans 12. I have got to follow Jesus no matter the cost. And he says, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you, verse 12. Why? Because when a person suffers valiantly for the truth, other people are impacted. One of the people who was impacted by witnessing the death of a martyr was the Apostle Paul. He gave consent for Stephen, the first of the martyrs, to be killed. And his response to that was not an immediate conversion. It was to hate Christianity even more and to devote his life to trying to wipe it out And yet, as he went along his way trying to persecute Christians, God intervened and opened his eyes. And he became not only a defender of the faith, but one of the most persecuted of the Christians. And so, he says, all this is for your benefit, so that the grace of that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, verse 16 of chapter 4. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles, did you hear that? Our light and momentary troubles doesn't feel like they're light. But in terms of eternity, they're light. It doesn't feel like they only last for a moment, but in terms of eternity, they only last for a moment. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. When we come to 2 Corinthians 11, you will be amazed at what he calls light and momentary troubles. 
because this guy suffered brutal torment. And yet, he knew this is temporary. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let me ask you this morning, what are you focused on? Don't let your present light and momentary troubles distract you from the glory of Jesus. It's good news. Jesus saves. Jesus Christ is Lord. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.